through your radio, through your mobile app, or through the internet. And welcome to all the listeners out there. I uh, hope you had a great weekend and uh, you're staying warm. I've just walked back into uh, the studio and the studio has one temperature. In summer, it's marvelous because you walk out from the heat and you come down and get cooled. In the winter, uh, I might be chattering by the time that the hour is up. Because it is freezing in here. It really, really is cold. So um, I'm all bundled up in my jacket. Not so cold outside. Pretty nice weather for a Johannesburg winter's day. We are learning, as always, the Book of Psalms, the holy book of uh, Tehillim that was authored, compiled um, by King David, along with other various authors. And we are busy studying the the. the Chapters of Tehillim that have to do with the Hallel, with those chapters of Tehillim that we say, especially on Yontavs, we say half Hallel and Rosh Chodesh. And I left you last, last week. Um, in chapter 116, we had done, I think, the first eight or nine verses. Just to do a bit of a recap, we know that when David was fleeing from Saul, from King Shaul, where King David was fleeing from Shaul, he felt very forlorn and abandoned and forsaken by his friends and his family. And um, he was, despite the fact that he probably could have had a tiny, he could have had, you know, like a, a grudge against Saul, he was sincerely disturbed by the news of Shaul's death. And in fact, when the bearer of those tidings proudly boasted, um, have, of having slain David's enemy, David um, ordered that he should be executed because he shouldn't have um, done such a thing. Nevertheless, right after that, David does go and compose um, this chapter of Telim 116, where he sings a, a hymn of praise to God for having saved him. Um, and as the verses go, if you look back inside, he goes, I love Hashem for he's heard my voices, my supplications. He's inclined his ear to me, even though the pains of death encircled me and the confines of the grave have found me and trouble and sorrow are found. I invoked the name of Hashem and said, please, Hashem, save my soul. And Hashem did indeed that. And uh, we stopped round, as I said, I think it was verse 8. We are going to pick up now verse 9 moving forward. Um, just following in on that theme where David is basically saying something very, very important that is important in our lives as well is that even though we do have our challenges, our obstacles, our difficulties, sometimes they're heart wrenching. They are heart wrenching. They are, um, very difficult. One doesn't really see the light in them. One must know that Hashem is with us. Um, Hashem is taking us through it and Hashem um, is orchestrating it and uh, we need to find the goodness even in the worst of, of stuff that, 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 that we experience. And King David was very, very much a person who went through a lot of difficulty. And that's why we appreciate Tehillim so much um, in that he gives us the tools that we need to have faith, that we need to cling to in difficult times. So let's go into um, verse 9. 
where he says the following words, Et halech lifnei Hashem, I shall walk before Hashem, ba'atzot hachayim, in the lands of the living. And this is an interesting thing. Well, David, were you not in the land of the living? So Rashi, the famous commentator, went and said that Shaul chased David out of the land of Israel. The land of Israel is known as the home of the living God, um, one who dwells in foreign lands, um, dwells in lands where we will find idolaters worshipping lifeless gods. So, but that I shall come back and walk before Hashem in the land of the living is actually a... Um, an analogy to the fact that David yearned to go and live back in Eretz Israel. In fact, we, uh, we, we learn that the very air in the land of Israel makes people healthy and robust and that the holy atmosphere grants the mind renewed vitality and alertness. That is a quote from the Radak. And, um, many, many times throughout the, throughout Torah, the land of the living identifies Eretz Israel as, as, as being when, when, when they use the word the land of the living, they define, they, they identify it as Eretz Israel. Another reason why, um, Eretz, Eretz Israel is called the land of the living is because it says that at the end of times after Mashiach comes, the dead are going to, are destined to be resurrected there. And that is, by the way, why the patriarchs, righteous sages, and, and people even today um, yearn to be buried on holy soil. Um, if people um, have enough finance, they will definitely stick it in their will that they want their, their bodies uh, repatriated to the land of Israel. Because it says those who are interred in foreign soil will roll to Israel through subterranean passages prior to the resurrection. Apparently not a very comfortable um, ride. It's not going to be first class. So the land of the living is a, a, a another word for the for Eretz Israel. And um, King David goes and says that et halech lifnei Hashem. I am now going to walk before Hashem in the land of the living. Now that Shaul has died, and that I am free of somebody who's looking to to murder me, I am going to come. Into the land of the living. There is another idea about the land of the living, and this is brought um, <clears throat> from another commentator in in the Talmud, Rav Yehuda. In the Talmud, in the Gemara of Yoma, he identifies the land of the living as Makom Shavakim, the marketplace. Okay, and he says this. Um, idea the land of the living is actually referring to the marketplace because the marketplace is of vital importance to to humanity the the business world the, the the place where we trade and we swap and we buy and we come and we go and we work we're all working for the marketplace right we're all working so that the cogs of economics and of acquiring and of selling and of 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 just living our lives the way we are that is called the marketplace and um, a very famous rabbi, Mordechai Gifter, Harav Mordechai Gifter, went and said that this is actually a praise for David where he says, I'm going to walk with Hashem in the land of the living. What he was really saying was that David was teaching each and every single one of us a very, very powerful lesson is that David's uh, Piety was not confined to the shul, to the synagogue, or to the house of study. He recognized, King David recognized that he was before Hashem even when he was engaged in financial matters of the marketplace. And his 
rigid honesty and morality were as steadfast in the marketplace as they were in the synagogue. And that is a very, very powerful lesson for each and every one of us. We do not hold that, you know, we can be religious or, or law abiding, whichever way you want to call it, um, in the shul. Um, in the Beit Midrash, and then when we go out into the marketplace, we go out into the world and we conduct ourselves, we can, you know, act dishonestly, we can act without integrity, we can act, um, in ways that are, that, that are, are not moral. King David is teaching us, when we walk before Hashem, in any type of the land of the living, and in, in, in anything that we do, we need to maintain our honesty, our morality, um, and be as steadfast about our behavior outside um, the religious confines of where we find ourselves um, and that is of vital importance. And yes, I'm sure there's, 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 there's many of you, many of you out there that go say, Oh, well, I know guys that don't behave like that. Yep. Well, in every single society, we, 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 we have imperfect people and people who are trying and, um, failing sometimes. But the Torah standard, the absolute standard is that we maintain a level of integrity, morality, honesty, wherever we find ourselves. Of course, you're listening to Chai FM. You can always SMS on uh, 34519. Our email is on air at chaifm.com if you'd like to make a comment or a, you know, say something about what we are talking about. There's also the WhatsApp number 0621482374. We're going to go for a little bit of a break, and we are going to continue studying Chapter 116 of Tehillim. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. King David continues after saying that he will consistently and always walk in the land of the living. He will walk upright, moral, honest in everything that, that he does. He says, He'emanti ki adaber. I kept my faith, though I would save, ani aniti mi'od, I have suffered exceedingly. Listen to these words out there, ladies and gentlemen. I have kept my faith, faith, although I have said, I have suffered exceedingly. Rashi says that this is King David's frustration in exile. See, when King David's son, Afshalom, rebelled against him, many of David's former friends and allies also turned against him. Uh, and the story is told that David was particularly shocked when Tziva, the servant of Mephibosheth, the son of King Shaul, falsely claimed that his master had treacherously joined the revolt against David and brought the throne upon himself. <coughs> Excuse me. So what Tzivia did is he ingratiated himself to King David and he supplied David with sorely needed provisions and transportation. And in sincere gratitude, David declared that Mephibosheth should be stripped of all his possessions and that those should be given to the faithful Tzivia. That you can find in Samuel 2, uh, chapter 16. But later, David found out that Tzivia's accusations were false and David bitterly lamented the fact that he had been duped. And he said, He emanti, I trusted, I trusted Tzivia. Um, like a gullible fool, and my confidence in Sivia was so great, ki adaber, that I spoke out and I condemned Mephibosheth. And from this rash act, he says, ki aniti me'od, I then suffered exceedingly, because in my haste I said, all mankind is deceitful. He says it late, later in the next verse, he says, 
אני אמרתי בחופצי כל אדם כוזב, and then I said in my haste, all mankind is deceitful. Okay, this was probably one of the deepest pains that King David had because uncertainty breeds it and one never knows who are one's true friends. That's why, friends, in our daily dealings with everybody, we should know that the only true thing to cling to, the only um, one thing to believe in is Hashem because one never knows with a human being what is right and wrong. What in fact is wrong, and King David cries out that I kept my faith, though I first said I suffered exceedingly, I thought somebody was doing something, and it wasn't, and then, in my haste, I said, "All mankind is deceitful because I realized how I was how I was duped, how I was cross <laughs> I was crossed by somebody who I trusted. I'm sure that uh In your lives, you've had situations where you've trusted somebody, you thought somebody would come through for you, and then at the end, sadly, things turn around and you feel duped just as much as King David. Know that at all times, Hashem is in charge of everything and that we shouldn't place our trust not in the bank manager, not in the doctor, not in the anything that you think that you should trust. You should only trust in Hashem. Everybody else is just merely messengers. Um, in the field um, also one of the other ideas that um, Rashi brings out in verse 11 where King David says Ani amati bechotzi. I said in my haste call Adam Kozev he says this also brings to mind the incident at Selahamach Lekot the rock of division if you go look in Samuel 1 basically what happened was is that there was a A, a, a people called the people of Tzif and they revealed David's mountain hideaway to Shaul so what happened was Shaul's army then encircled the mountain and left no place for David to escape and it says that David turned around and demanded of Hashem at that point in time he said what happened to the promise Hashem that you made me when the prophet Samuel anointed me king if I am slain now I will never ascend to the throne. And it says that at that point in time, God sent an angel who called Shaul away from the pursuit and said, hurry, hurry away for the Philistines have attacked, um, have spread out to attack the land. And so he took all the guys that had surrounded the mountain and left. And that was how David was saved. Others contend that God miraculously split the mountain into two with David and his warriors on one side and Saul's army on the other side. And therefore we have this idea that the mountain was called Selah HaMachlekot, the rock of division. But at that time, David admitted that he had been hasty in condemning um, Samuel as deceitful. So you can see that many, many times David says, listen, guys, I've made my own mistakes as many times that... He who I've trusted, I shouldn't have trusted, and those that I didn't trust, I should have trusted. Remember that all mankind in one way or another is deceitful. They can change their minds at any one point in time. If we want truth, if we want to cling to integrity, we want to cling to something that we know will always be there for us, there's only one, and that is the good Lord, HaKodesh Baruch Hu, um, because there we know that there's true justice and God is Is looking after our backs have you ever been in a situation where you've come to realize that if you have I'd love you to share it 
can drop an SMS on three four five one nine, or you can drop an S- a WhatsApp on oh six two one four eight two three seven four. Email on air at chaifm.com. If you actually want to speak to me personally, you can also give us a call on oh seven four six five four seven double three five. What King David does then is that he actually switches. Um, after his lamentation, so to speak, on how how bad it was to put trust in people, um, depending on which situation he was talking about, he then praises God and he explains how he realizes that God is his savior. He says, "Ma ashiv la Hashem? How can I repay Hashem? Call tagmulohi alai for all the kindness that." He has done to me. How can I, what gift can I give the king who owns everything? How can I possibly repay repay his acts of kindness that are too numerous to recount? And uh, while King David is saying this about his personal situation, it's also going to be said. The Sforno tells us that when Hashem will gather us, the scattered survivors of this long exile that we've been in. We will remember that Hashem had delivered us from many, many extremely dangerous situations, and we are going to be um, in the same place. We're going to say, how can I possibly repay Hashem for all the kindness that he has given to me? Very interestingly, the word kindness, ma'ashiv la Hashem kol tagmulohi alai. How will I... Um, Thank Hashem for all the kindness. The word tagmulohi is quite an uncommon spelling. Normally, this word should have been spelled tagmul, tagmulo. Okay, that's his kindness. Gamul means kindness. Tagmulo means his kindness. So why are we having the word he at the end? Tagmulohi. Hey and a yud. So one explanation is that it is from the Aramaic. And this is an indication that King David was talking about the time that we are in exile. And all this goodness that we are seeing comes from the exile. Um, very interestingly in the Talmud, though, they go and teach us that the world to come was created with the letter Yud. And the, this world was created with the letter He. So by adding the two letters, He and Yud, to Tagmulo, to make a Tagmulo, He, what this is inferring, King David is inferring, is that he is thanking Hashem both for the kindness that, that he bestows us in this world and the kindness that God will bestow for us in the world to come. Let's continue. Um, King David says, Kos Yeshuot Esa, I will raise up the cup of salvation. Over shame Hashem Ekra. Okay, and I will call and I will invoke the name of Hashem. And uh, our rabbis teach Rashi in particular says, kos refers to a cup of wine. And that is a reference to the the korban todah, the thanksgiving offerings, which um, King David would have brought back when he returned safely to the land of Israel. Um, because as we know that animal sacrifices were accompanied by wine libations. Um, and the Levi'im would sing uh, hymns of praise for God's salvation. There's a very, very interesting um, Talmud in Pesachim 
that says the following. Um, it says that God at the end of time will host a special banquet as a, a reward for the righteous. And it's going to be called the banquet of chesed, the banquet of loving kindness. And after the meal, the cup of wine, the cup of benediction, will be handed to our patriarch Avraham. As we know, if you watch very carefully, when you are in a public space or there's more than 10 people um, that that have benched and, wa- and, and washed, our custom is to say birkat hamazon, is to say um, the, the um, grace after meals with a cup of wine. We say it if there's more than 10 men, we say it when we are doing Sheva Brachot. It's called the cup of benediction. So imagine now at the end of days, God is going to throw a huge banquet for the righteous, and um, he's going to pass on that cup of wine um, to Avraham so that he will be able to be, he, he will lead the Birkat Hamazon, he'll, he'll lead the benching. So the Talmud goes like this, Avraham will refuse and he'll say, I cannot be the leader at this banquet of loving kindness. I can't raise my cup in total salvation. I cannot lead the grace because I had Yishmael. So the cup is going to be passed over to Isaac. Isaac is going to say, I can't do it because I had Asav. Yaakov is going to refuse because he, he will say, I married two sisters, sisters at once, something which the Torah destined to prohibit. Moshe will be given then the cup, and he will turn down the offer saying, I never had the privilege of entering the land of Israel, not in my lifetime and not even in my burial after my death. So they'll pass it on to Yehoshua, to Joshua, who took over from Moses. And he'll go and say, I was not granted the privilege of sons. And finally, this benching cup will be given to David, and David will be asked to lead the benching, and he will respond enthusiastically, indeed, it is most fitting that I should bless Hashem, because I said, I will raise the cup of salvation, and I will invoke the name of Hashem. He'll quote from the very Tehillim that we are learning about now. The question is, like, is that an answer? Because really, it's this, this wholehearted acceptance is quite puzzling because <laughs> if we look at the defects that disqualified all the other candidates, okay, Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, all the reasons why they said they couldn't, they all happened to David. David had sons who shamed him, Absalom, and Adoniyahu shamed him. He married Bathsheba under questionable circumstances. He was responsible for the death of Uriah the Hittite. So he had the defects as much as Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Moshe, Yeshua, all of them. And he's the one that has the audacity to say, yes, pass me the cup. So to understand the refusal of the patriarchs and all the other Jewish leaders, we've got to understand, we've got to realize that this future banquet of chesed, this banquet of loving kindness, it was, it's going to be held because mankind is going to offer its gratitude for all the kindnesses that God showed throughout history. And it's at that banquet that mankind, all of us together, are going to realize and finally recognize 
that even when Hashem visited suffering and tragedy upon us, it was for the best. And so the person who leads that final Birkat Amazon, that final grace, must be one who fully, who fully appreciated Hashem's kindness in each and in every event of his life. So Abraham disqualifies himself with the confession of what? He said, I can't because I had Yishmael. Why? Because it says that Abraham realized that the one event in his life that he didn't fully appreciate was the, to accept the birth of a wicked son like Yishmael with a full heart. And so each and every person, Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Moshe, Yeshua, will all go and say, listen, we did have these difficulties in our lives. We didn't fully appreciate it. Only King David, this was the greatness of King David. The greatness of King David was that he could claim with full confidence, although I had many tragedies before me, I accepted every divine decree with a full heart, with, and I appreciated the kindness concealed in every blow. And therefore, I can always lift up the cup, cup of salvation. Um, and I can call upon the name of Hashem, i.e., he recognized that Hashem was the dispenser of kindness. This is quite a, a hectic lesson. How many of us out there is there anybody out there that has had a negative experience happen to them and still can go and say, that I will lift up the cup of salvation of Hashem, Hashem, and I'll call out in the name of Hashem? This is a very, very, very powerful lesson that King David is teaching us. Um, it would be great if uh, you have the guts to share this idea or at the circumstance that you were in and that you managed to see that behind that dark cloud there was a silver lining? Have you ever been in the situation? You can SMS on 34519 or you can do a WhatsApp on 0862148 King David continues then and he says, Yakar be'enei Hashem, um, Sorry, I missed one. Verse 14. Nidarai Lashem Ashalem. I will pay my vows. All the promises I, I took, I will pay up. Negdana um, Lecholamo. In front of God's entire people. Yakar Be'enei Hashem Hamafsa Lachasidav. Precious in the sight of Hashem is the death of his devout ones. That's quite a difficult verse to understand. Let's just go back. One, my vows to Hashem I shall pay. Meaning, while we're running, while wandering in exile, while we find ourselves in a difficult situation, we make many promises to Hashem, right? I promise that if you return me safely to Israel, I will render thanksgivings, offerings. I will fulfill my vow in the presence of everybody um, to show you that I I was true with what I was saying. How many times we make promises to Hashem? If you do X, Y, Z and A, B, C, I promise to do it. Do we keep those promises? King David says we definitely have to. He certainly did. Nidarai la Hashem ashalem negdana I'm going to do it before the entire people. This is very important. If you make a promise to Hashem, make sure that you keep it. 
You're listening to Rabbits and Adol Kazilski. Indeed you are, and we are dissecting chapter 116 of Tehillim, and we are now on verse 15 that reads as follows, Yakar be'enei Hashem, precious in the sight of Hashem, hamafta lachasidav, the death of his devoted ones. That's quite a difficult one, like why would Hashem find it very precious to see the death of his devout ones? So the rabbis go and teach um, that this is not that God like rejoices in the death of the devout ones, but he finds it very, very precious that they actually give God permission to leave this world. You understand that a righteous person is, 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 is very precious to Hashem because he's sitting in the world and he's fulfilling Torah and mitzvot. He's fulfilling the very reason why we are on the planet to reveal godliness and to have a connection and a relationship with God. And when it comes particularly to righteous people, they have a incredibly strong and powerful um, relationship with God. It hurts God. Um, it's very difficult for God to pluck them from this world. In fact, it says that God needs to entice the soul of a righteous person away by showing him yakar, that which is precious, that which there is a spiritual world in the world to come. And it says that God has to go and give these righteous people a mitat nishika, a death by divine kiss, um, because they, these righteous people will always argue that they need to remain in this world to continue um, having the incredible relationship they do, that they have. Spiritually, there's a very interesting midrash that relates that Rabbi Abahu was very depressed on his deathbed um, because he thought for himself that he had wasted his life. And it said, and, and he refused to die. And it said that God came to him and displayed before him 13 rivers flowing with perfume, which was a, which, which was symbolic of the Torah and mitzvahs that Rabbi Abahu had done. And when Rabbi Abahu had done that, he felt confident and he died knowing now that his piety had been precious to Hashem and that his eternal reward was equally precious. And um, we are taught that when it comes to righteous people, God actually approaches them and asks them um, their permission that they make way for the next generation who are waiting to make their own precious contributions to Hashem's glory and um, they only die with their permission as opposed to the rest of us. Verse um, 16 and 17 talk about David being a servant. Ana Hashem, please Hashem, ki ani avdecha, I am your servant. Ani avdecha ben amatecha, I am the servant, the son of your handmaid, who is also a servant. Pitachta lemoserai, you have released me from my bonds. Here, um, you can see that David had, was so totally connected to God that he saw him as his servant, the son of your handmaid. Now, we know that a slave who is born to a mother who is also a slave, that's considered a handmaid in Torah, is far more submissive than a slave who is born free. And here you can see that David makes himself a, a double servant. Ani avdecha, I am your servant, I am your slave. Ani avdecha ben amatecha, I am the servant of your 
hand, hands made. So this, this is really David's dual identity. Okay, first of all, we know that King David was not destined to live. He was meant to be born and immediately die. And um, Adam, Adam Harishon, the first man, donated 70 years of life as a gift to him. So King David, um, King, King David looks at that as I am your slave Hashem. I am your servant because without you, I wouldn't have had any life. So that's the first part um, of, of, of him. And it said that when David was born, Adam's soul entered into David so that he could be a servant of God. He could serve God. So that's Ani Avdecha. But then David goes and says, Ani Avdecha ben Amatecha, I am the son of your handmaid. And this is where he's talking about his devout mother who actually exerted a great influence over David and David pays homage here to her contribution to his success. The rabbis actually teach that um, David also recognized this by understanding that he inherited from his grandmother Ruth. Ruth, as we know, we've just finished the festival of Shavuot and we learned how R- Ruth clung to her mother-in-law Naomi. She was a Moabite. She was a Giorit, she was a convert, and she um, served God in a very incredible manner and therefore merited to have King David as a grandson. We know that she also saw herself as a humble servant of God. Um, and so, and, and really, um, where do we have that proof, by the way? When uh, Ruth spoke to Boaz, okay, Boaz was a leader of Israel, she said to him, I, I, I'm a mere shifcha. I'm a woman servant. And Boaz said, heaven, heaven forbid, you can't depreciate yourself. You will not go down in history as a lowly handmaiden. You are going to be one of the matriarchs of the Jewish nation by giving birth to King David. Nevertheless, her viewpoint, Ruth, Ruth, Ruth was the fact that um, she was a, a maidservant. And so David says to, to Hashem, Ani Avdecha, I am your servant because my whole life was dependent um, on you giving me life. And I'm also, I'm also the slave of a slave, meaning that I am totally, utterly, 100% given over to you. And in a sense, a, a, a born slave has an ingrained allegiance to his master and uh, remains under his jurisdiction. And that is the way that King David, um, King David saw himself. Nevertheless, he says at the end, you have released me from my bonds, meaning even though I had this background that I came from the downtrodden, from, from, from a slave mentality, you have allowed me to fulfill who I am in full. And this is, again, a very powerful lesson to us. Many, many times we feel that we're enslaved in our situation because of circumstance. Uh, I was born into a bad family or I was an orphan or this thing was dealt to me and or this one. And that's why I am who I am today. King David goes and teaches that even if I'm an Avdachav, um, and Avdecha ben Amatecha, even if you are a slave or a slave of your, f- from your family, you were born into bad situations. Pitachta le Moserai, each and every single one of us has the ability to 
extend, to grow out of the um, entrapments and the difficulties that life has given us and be one that serves Hashem fully in the open. And there he finishes then. So to you I'm going to sacrifice a thanksgiving sacrifice of Hashem Hashem Ekra and I am going to call out um, in the name of Hashem. I am going to give my thanksgiving because um, I have gone beyond my limitations, my constraints, my boundaries, my challenges, my difficulties, and I am going to come and give thanks to Hashem. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Indeed you are, and we are going to look at the last two verses of this um, chapter of Tehillim, where again King David reiterates that he is going to fulfill his vows. Nedarayla Hashem Ashalem. My vows to Hashem I will pay. In the presence of the entire nation. He promises again that and he expresses his yearning um, that when he gets back into the land of Israel and he is free, that he will fulfill all his promises. This also, this repetition comes to teach us that we are going to be doing this at the end of times with Mashiach um, when we are ushered into the Messianic era. Okay, we are going to um, bring thanksgiving to Hashem for everything that has happened to us in this long and bitter night of exile. And we are going to call to Hashem. Okay, Bechatzrot Beit Hashem. We are going to call to Hashem in the courtyards of the house of Hashem. Betochechi Yerushalayim, in the midst of Yerushalayim, hallelujah, we will, we will praise Hashem. We are going to come back to the land of Israel. We are going to find ourselves back at the location of the Holy Ark where Hashem and um, His presence resides. And we are going to be there. And this is going to happen, by the way, very, very soon. Um, we are living a messianic process. The world is changing in incredible ways. Um, it looks pretty dark out there. You must know that just before the dawn, um, that's when it's the darkest. I think that um, the existing structures of the world are collapsing one by one because it's paving its way and it's making its way um, for us to understand that there is going to be a better world, a world of health and of peace and of light and of of everything good and all the negative is going to disappear and very soon we are all going to be gathered back into the land of Israel with the arrival of our our holy uh, Mashiach and we are going to fulfill the vows um, and probably and most importantly we are going to, not probably we are going to meet Avraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov Moshe, Shlomo David Amelech, and we are going to give thanksgiving to Hashem for bringing us to a time of peace, of revelation, and of completion. May it happen speedily in our days. In the meantime, as we are hurtling towards that, remember to say your Tehillim, remember to be connected to God, have a relationship with Him, because He is the only one we can trust. Have a wonderful week.